Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films from a leftist perspective. I'm Nick, and I'm a Luigi. Hey, it's uh, Italiano <laughs> month. Hey, Paisan. Hey. Um, so I know Italy supposedly has like this rich tradition of of cinematic history, um, but I I think that's a lie. Having seen this movie that we just watched. <laughs> Well, I mean, this movie isn't made by an Italian. I don't think that guy's Italian. I know, but it taints them. I mean, eight and a half, more like one and a half stars out of five. (laughs) Yeah, so we're continuing our mobster month here in honor of our boy Martin Scorsese, who uh, Mm -hmm. just dropped a fire track on New York Times. He he is such in sync with us right now. (laughs) He really is. He's matching us beat for beat, Marty and Procon. (laughs) Yeah, apparently he like quadrupled down on his anti-mcu stuff fuck yes um but again we are not doing a marty film here uh nope. we are doing a michael Karblinkoff film <laughs> uh i don't know who he is he's made maybe three films um and this is and his shows. film mobsters from 1991 yeah. um, hey. i believe this is actually his first like feature film uh, we're going to do some of our ProCon style live research right now. Um, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. What the fuck? No, he, he doesn't. Does have a, he does have an IMDb He is an IMDb, yeah. Um, that tipped me off that this movie here. was going to be crap. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was his first movie. And then um, he directed another movie in 1992 called Red Shoe Diaries, one called FTW in 1994. And then he produced something last year. 2018 called alt-right age of rage yep yep i saw wow. that in there yeah I damn thought, i thought that was really strange as well the uh the contemporary mob if you will <laughs> <laughs> the pepe mob i mean basically but like yeah this oh god i don't want to say this is the worst movie we've seen for this for this show um no because we, we overdo that <laughs> but like it's 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 up there it's top five maybe mm. um oh yeah for sure it's it's so I don't know much about like mob history, like real life mob history. Um, and I was utterly lost throughout most of this movie. Just like completely, I, I, at gunpoint, like I, I really couldn't <laughs> at, at knife point, actually, if I was tied up with my hands above my head, like Christian Slater was in this movie, I couldn't, I couldn't like retell what happens. No, nor can I. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of, uh, archetypes and, um, you know, usual, um, plot beats of any gangster film um just thrown into a blender and and this is what you get yeah and um it, it it's basically like a quasi historical uh, retelling of um of lucky luciano his, his rise to to power and the consolidation of the five families um that much i that much i kind of got and that much i kind of already knew going into this but um beyond that it it it's just like this kind of it's like a highlight reel almost like less than having an actual plot. It's like this weird sequences segue into each other. And, um, it's going to be really hard to find good good things to say about this one. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's, it's poorly written, poorly edited. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, they, they had no idea how to transition from scene to scene. Um, they had no idea what was important uh, to highlight in, in terms of, um, the, the history of the, the commission, which is, you know, the, uh, the five families, uh, um, when they got mm-hmm. together, that's what they were called. Um, yeah, it's, 
barely gives you any understanding of who Lucky Luciano, Meyer Lansky, Frank Costello, or, or Bugsy Siegel were. Um, it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just this cast of young actors. Um, so we have, um, for the, the main four, we have Christian Slater as uh, Lucky Luciano, uh, Costas Mandalore, don't know who that is, as, Mandalore, uh, that's a Star Wars <laughs> term. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Frank Costello, uh, Richard Grieco as uh, as Bugsy Siegel, and uh, Patrick Dempsey um, doing his uh, best uh, anti-Semitic uh, caricature for uh, it's Meyer bad. Lansky. It's um, also rounding out the cast, um, in supporting roles, we have Robert Zadar as... Um, Probably a fictitious henchman called Rocco. He, 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 Robert Zadar is a fun character actor. I've known him. He's got a giant chin um, from, from some birth defect that he, he had throughout his life. Um, but he's very very distinctive face in Baron. Um, also Michael Gambon, um, Anthony Quinn, uh, Chris Penn, F. Murray Abraham, Nicholas Sadler, Lara Flynn Boyle, Joe uh, Vit- Viterelli. Yeah, that's pretty close. T- yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> And uh, Titus Welliver. Um, yeah, just a bunch of like people of varying levels of fame that kind of got roped into playing these these parts. And um, I, like I said, I don't know personally like the the history of the actual mob, but um, there there are characters like um, Don Franzano, Don Masaria, um, Al Capone is in it in yep. a brief. Yep. Yeah, was he or is that just like, no? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Titus Oliver. Yeah, he plays yeah. Al Capone in those last few seconds. Um, yeah, right, I, I'm okay, not sure yeah. if Don Farzano and Don Mazzaria are real. Um, Mad Dog Call is real. Yep, he is. Um, um, Joe Profaci the, is uh, is a real person. The Don characters, I could I could see them kind of being like composites of existing mm-hmm. people. I think that's that's accurate. Um, yeah, I don't really know anything about. Um, uh, Mara Motes, who is uh, Lara Flynn Boyle's character, the love interest of Lucky Luciano. I have no idea if she's real. I could easily see her being just roped in, like c- created whole cloth for yep. this movie. I, I think so too. Um, but yeah, I, I am also not all that well versed in uh, gangster mafioso history. Although, wow, betraying uh, your heritage. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I uh, I should be. Um, yeah, the only book I've read about like the mob is um, I, I heard Japan houses, which is the right the film, right? Uh, the Irishman. Um, that's the book it's uh, based off of, um, which you know doesn't really go into much of this because that's from somewhere in the '40s through you know the '80s, '90s, and it, it, Frank Sheeran's death in the 2000s. Yeah, this movie, um, just for context, uh, it takes place between 1912 briefly in a, in a flashback, and then it jumps ahead to 1917. And then um, throughout the kind of the sequences, we move forward to 1931, which is when um, the mob in, in New York was carved up into five families, and they, they become like a neoliberal seat board of directors. <laughs> like, they actually say that. Yeah, <laughs> that's too. Yeah, it, it, was, it was interesting watching this. Um, it's certainly... I, I think the tomato ma- the tomato meter is accurate. For this oh movie. my god, six percent. Yes. yes, even that's a little bit generous. Um, the audience the score audience, is ridiculously generous. It's because fifty seven percent. It's because I'm assuming all the Guidos in Staten Island did like a Gamergate style, <laughs> bo- like a, like DDoS attack on, on Rotten Tomatoes oh, yeah. and just like spammed it for sure. Um, but yeah, six percent is high. Like I, 
I know on the show, the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing is kind of arbitrary. We, we just use that as a whatever benchmark. And we, personally, I, I don't like to go by percentages for movies, but just this, this movie does suck. Yeah, this movie sucks. Um, I, I uh, yeah, no, I think it actually deserves to be a 0%, but... Um, yes. Um, it, it did make its uh, budget back. Um, it made $23 million against uh, a budget... <laughs> <laughs> I'm running that backwards. It only made 20 million against a budget yeah. of 23 yeah, million. No, yeah, it did. That makes more sense, yeah. and that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, it did not recoup its budget. Yeah, I mean, also we're we're also anti Razzie here in ProCon, um, but you know, sometimes you need an exception to prove the rule because both Anthony Quinn and Christian Slater uh, nominated but didn't win um, Razzie awards yeah. for for what I presume is worst actor. Uh, like supporting actor or something like that because Anthony Quinn I guess is more right. of a supporting role and I guess like, who's to say which actor is the main role I mean obviously it's Lucky Luciani Slater, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah so I, you know Anthony Quinn and we'll talk about him more um, shining star of this film honestly mm-hmm. Christian Slater mm-hmm. I, you know I'm, I'm not sure he deserved the Razzie award if anybody deserved it probably Patrick Dempsey or Richard Grieco honestly Oh my God! Yeah, um, or even Michael yeah, I mean, Gambon. I mean, it was pretty. Ugh, his performance is awful. Slater was serviceable. Um, he certainly not the worst one. Um, F. Murray Abraham does a good job. It's just his like his part is pretty bad. Yeah, another <laughs> another anti-Semitic uh, character for sure. Arnold Rothstein. He was real as well. He was a real bootlegger. Right, and I, actually, I learned this uh, when when he's introduced. The 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 valet or the butler that introduces him is like, meet Mister Rothstein. The genius who who rigged the World Series. Oh, <laughs> like I assume he did that. Right, right, right. Yes, 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 yes. He did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, we do have a piece here from a Rosenbaum, um, King Rosenbaum review <laughs> in the Chicago Reader, and he writes: high concept, sleek stylishness, low content. The basic idea is Young Guns remake with Lucky Luciano, Frank Costello, Bugsy Siegel, and Mayor Lansky in New York in the in the twenties. Some attempt is made to compensate for the overfamiliarity of all the elements, read cliches, with fancy production design, spiffy costumes, lots of gore, 30s-style montage sequences, which seem to owe more to the Cotton Club than to the 30s, and the charisma of the actors. Slater, who narrates a story and gets the most screen time, does a pretty good job of making some of this seem less still than it is, but that's ultimately a rather hopeless endeavor. Um... Yeah, co-signed completely. Um, all of that, that, that is accurate. Yep. We're done. Cut print. Yep. We're done. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there there were a lot of weird like montage sequences, and I they they kind of stood out to me. Like I I appreciate that they were going for something like a little a little more, I guess, visually appealing than just saying like oh five years later or something, or just like doing a hard cut to five years later, but. Um, it, they just weren't that well done. No, and especially like the some of the double exposures they did. Like um, yeah, the oh worst, God, the most yeah. egregious one is when um, is it when Chris Penn's character uh, Tommy whatever Tommy Rena when he gets shot and uh, it focuses on the the blood pool and then in the yes. pool of blood like yes like something goes on like the uh, they're shooting guns and then like there's That's a, like a, a wheel of a tire or some bullshit. <laughs> That was like an Adobe After Effects it was. Like, yeah. tutorial. It was like, 
<laughs> awful. Oh just God. they do it a few times too. Instead yep. of actually showing like the gang war that happens, like they they don't have the budget for it, so they just like nope. they do these terrible double show... exposures. Do you know what the Cotton Club is? Because yes. like I, yeah, it's it, uh, it's in. It's, uh, it's interesting that like apparently that, that that was a stylistic thing that they were going for in the vein of, of like 30s mob movies. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, actually, so what he's referring to is the film The Cotton Club, right. um, which is actually a uh, Coppola film. Okay, so yeah, it's, at, it's a little later. Um, it was recently re-released 84. actually in theaters, like this year. I think it was re-released huh. in theaters. Um, and it has, I think, a lot of the same characters in it. Um, they kind of come in and out of the story because Cotton Club was a, a famous club that all these gangsters would have uh, frequented. I'm looking at it right now. Um, yeah, it, Lucky Luciano's in it. Um, it. That's the only name that I remember, actually. But yeah, it, it looks like it's another kind of historical historical drama piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear it's good, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has to be better than this piece it, of I'm shit, sure honestly. I'm this one. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> this film came out the same year as the film Bugsy did with Warren Beatty. Um and uh, that film was nominated for 10 Oscars. And uh, this film was not. <laughs> this was not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the worst things of this movie is it, it is boring. Um, like, like I was saying, I'm, I'm relatively ignorant. I'm, I'm, I'm almost completely ignorant about the history of organized crime in this country. Um, I, I could not, for the life of me, follow, like, follow most of the shit. Like, I know Lucky Luciano. I know that... Christian Slater starts off as a kid and then there are two bosses in his in his borough in New York that kind of intimidate his his father and push his father around and that gives him the drive to become successful on his own but we don't see any of that that's all inferred just one day five years later he's suddenly wearing a a ill-fitting suit and tromping around with his three best friends and they're trying to establish themselves as um, as, as alcohol smugglers during Prohibition. Yeah, it was amazing. They were wearing these gigantic Trump suits, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of wish they were, they wore them throughout the whole movie. Honestly, like it was well, just that was, hilarious. That was, kind of, that was kind of the style of the time, right? Because like they like I know zoot suits are supposed to be like giant, right? Yeah, um, I think zoot suits are later though. I think they're like the forties. But my point is like those suit those bigger bigger and baggier suits led to zoot. Suits. Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, even later on in the film, like there's they're they're more fitted, but they're still pretty big. Their suits, yeah. you know. I mean, they're not like David Byrne and like stop making sense. But <laughs> I mean, it's also reflective of the '90s too, right? Like giant suits and yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that was like a subconscious or influence there. Um, no, I mean the beginning of this film is uh, horrendous. Um, the oh my god, the set is cool. Like the, the it's Brooklyn. The sets are really cool throughout. I will I will give it that. I mean. The pro in the in the pro in this procon episode is the sets are really fucking good. <laughs> the sets are good, um, you know. But it, it's really aping the um, Sergio Leone film uh, "Once Upon a Time in America." Actually, like okay. the, some of the shots in there specifically are the exact same as the opening of that film, like the black and white kind of somewhat slowed down opening montage of just like people walking through the streets and stuff. Yeah, that plus that just like the rest of that um, kind of prologue. Um, once b- before the five year speed up, right? Okay. Oh my god! And that's when we get the scene where um, Christian Slater and his family are eating dinner, um, and there's like a bottle of wine and like pasta on the table, and he's like, "Listen to me, son. You have to work at the fish market." <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And he says something like, oh, we don't want to be stereotyped or something like that. Right. He's like, oh, you think you think I'm a dirty immigrant? That's all I'm good for? Yeah. And then Anthony Quinn, Anthony Quinn and Robert Zadar bust in. And he no, gra- Michael Anthony Gambon. Quinn. Oh, yeah, that's Michael Gambon. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Dumbledore. Michael Gambon and his, and his henchman, Robert Zadar, walk in. And um, he grabs his, he grabs his Luci- Luciano Sr.'s balls and he intimidates him in front of his family. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. Um, very, very cartoonish. And I think that's like what I like the least about Michael Gambon in this movie. Like, first of all, he can't do an Italian accent. Um, it's, I don't even know what he's trying to do, but then like, I don't know. I mean, I guess like this whole movie is somewhat cartoony and outlandish, but I, he just like, he brought it to a different level of cartoony and outlandish. And it's, you know, and a lot of it isn't even his fault. Right. I mean, like the lines he's given are some of the worst in this movie. Yeah. He has some of the worst dialogue. Just, there's like three or four separate times when when he's talking about Anthony Quinn's character Don Masseria, and he's like, "Oh, that fat pig!" and he spits, and it's like the same yeah, yeah. line of dialogue like, like these three or four different times. times. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Anthony Quinn, though, he's uh, easily uh, the best part of this movie. Um, I, I he's pretty, do not know how they got him into this movie, honestly, but, um, he really steals the show. He, uh, mm-hmm. he chews all the scenery, uh, literally he's wearing a white suit and he has a white cape when he's introduced. Yeah. This movie has a bad case of, um, of literally telling like all, all the, all the exposition, just all, all the exposition, all the characterization is told to us either through dialogue or through Christian Slater's voiceover. Yeah. Like all their plans they make, you know, cause so, um, they're trying to pit the two mob bosses against each other. They do cause a gang war at one point. Um, mm-hmm. so that then, um, uh, their little gang can uh, become, you know, the number one gang in, in the boroughs. And, and, uh, and, and really quick, much is made of the fact that there are, half the gang leadership is Italian. Half the gang leadership is Jewish. That's um, right. And that's, mm-hmm. that was unheard of at the time. Um, they underscore that point a thousand times as uh, well. Like, yeah. Um, in, in both tasteful and non-tasteful yeah. ways, they underscore that part. I, I'll leave it up to the audience to decide uh, where that split is on the tasteful and non-tasteful. <laughs> I, my point is like, they address it like, oh, they're Jewish characters, mm-hmm. but then they like, they throw in some anti-Semitic, the, the infamous tropes they have some anti-semitic tropes and some anti-semitic um i guess, I guess characterization and stereotypes thrown in there too um yeah i mean f murray abraham like he only talks about money like honestly i don't think there's a single scene where he's not yeah. talking about money yeah i mean i i guess it kind of makes sense from like a, a plotting perspective because like that's his role in the film right but they they don't shy away from that either yeah yeah, it's interesting. I actually I was looking up um, the religious backgrounds of the actors here. I was like, is Patrick Dempsey Jewish? No, he's not. I can't find anything about his religion, but he's and very Dempsey's much, but Irish, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, F. Murray Abraham. He's he's definitely not Jewish. Um, we we looked this up. He's actually he grew up Greek Orthodox, and he I think he's Presbyterian now. Um, so yeah, just a whole a whole smorgasbord of actors. Um, for some characters that that you would think are very they would try to get like Italian actors for the Italian parts, Jewish actors for the Jewish parts, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it makes sense the casting in terms of like, you know, who is the flavor of the month kind of like, you know, beefcake. Right. I mean, like sure. this was Christian Slater's time to shine. Um, he mm-hmm. was in films like pump up the volume right before this, like, you know, this is really the beginning of his career. Um, 
And he was in uh, the movie we just did recently, uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. There you go. <laughs> right around the same time, well, the, a year before, in 1990. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, yeah. Yeah. This is um, this is Scorsese and Slater month, <laughs> apparently. Um, oh, God. Yeah, what else is in this movie? Um, Richard Grieco, he sucks. Awful. He's really bad. Awful. Who does he, he plays... He's Bugsy. So is, is like... Yeah. Is is Bugsy Siegel? Is he like a like a famous like borderline caricature like mob figure or something? Um, yeah, I mean he's he's a very famous um, mobster. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. He is from figure, New York originally. Um, his story is that he went out west um, later in life, and maybe it was in, in his like thirties or forties. Right, he he founded the first um, casino in Las casino Vegas. in yeah. Las Vegas because we learned that from the closing narration yes. of the song. Yeah, and he was um, basically indebted to Luciano and and the rest of the commission, and they they put a hit out on him. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Which is um, oh, they stab him in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So all that all this bullshit about like be loyal to your friends. I'll I'll take a beating for my friends. It's all yeah. bullshit in the end. Um but what they actually did was they shot him with a, a carbine rifle uh numerous times. Uh yeah. In the in stab in the back is metaphorical yes, Lewis. Yes. Oh, I'm just saying this is that this is the reality. This is what happened. Uh it's played out in the film Bugsy and it's pretty brutal, actually. Yep. Um yep. like he gets shot in the head and it's just like it's a better blood splatter than anything in this dumb movie either like yes um, oh my god yeah yeah just not even like good cartoony violence you know like it just just poorly done yeah altogether. it's like like the like the blood is like overly red for fake blood mm-hmm. it, it i don't know it 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 looks very cartoony like you were saying and it just moves very quickly and it didn't really sell it yeah like when chris penn gets shot in the sauna like you could oh see like God. the squib hit the yeah. back wall. Like it was so obvious. It was yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. God, that was bad. Um, there, I guess there was cool, one cool action scene. It's when Mad Dog Call, the the hitman, the, the final boss of the, of the movie, I guess the yeah. hitman at the end. Um, some, some other people try to take him out. I don't know if like Lucky tried to have him taken out. Yeah. I think hitman. they like put a hit on him. Yeah. Right, and they, and they try to ambush him in his car, but like he defends himself. Like they they try to put a zip line around his neck, um, or a garrote around his neck, uh, and that that was kind of a cool fight scene. That had cool, yeah. That that had like the best, most coherent action oh, of any sure. sequence in this mm-hmm. movie. The best compositions, um, the best blocking of the the, the scene. Yeah, otherwise yeah, trash. Yeah. yeah, I liked when he bit the guy's nose off. <laughs> <laughs> he, bit, he bites the he bites. Well, first he he blocks the garrote, yeah. and then he he elbows that guy in the neck mm-hmm. in the in the face. And then a second hitman tries to come up to shoot him through the window, and that's and then he bites that guy's nose off. Yeah, just and like he's biting like the play doh off, and he just spits it out. <laughs> and then the guy in the back seat, he cuts his tongue off and kicks him out of the car. That yeah, that's right. Yeah, in good continuity throughout the rest of the movie, um, he he damages his hand because he he blocked the the razor wire with his hand, and he right. keeps a bandage on his hand throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, he reminded me of Montana Max from Tiny Toon yes. Adventures. Yeah, holy shit! Yes, yeah. his face, yeah, especially like, when he is just, and then his his just attitude and just being really short. Yeah, really <laughs> short. And, and when he busts in at the end, he's holding two guns. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, when he's first introduced, he's shooting at yep. Lucky yep. Luciano with dual Tommy guns. <laughs> Hell yes, which is a very Montana Max thing to do. Yeah, 
Um, and, uh, and that's within the first maybe half hour of the movie. And like, just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's done. Like Luciano died. Wow. But no, yes. I, I mean, I assume the car was somewhat bulletproof. I don't know. Oh God. So, so what was the weird part in the middle where like Mayor Lesky, he and he and Lucky are like about to consolidate their power over their smaller gang. And then he offers his wife yeah. sexually oh to God. Lucky. That was like, the it, most awkward scene in this whole like, movie. Is, is that a real thing? No, I don't fucking happened, know. Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Like, because like, like there was some... Mayor's, Mayor's um, wife, there, there's like a little bit of flirtation between her and Lucky before her. they, they settled down and get married. Right. And like, I, I don't know if they like wanted to up the the tension between Mayor and Lucky. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think they wanted to up that tension. I think you're right there. I just think they had no idea how to do it. Um, right, right. Which funny about that scene is it comes right after the horrendous sex scene between oh my Christian God, Slater um, and Lara Flynn Boyle. And Lara Flynn Boyle. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I'm, I'm rewatching Twin Peaks right now. And like, Lara Flynn Boyle is just so much better in that show. Yeah. Like that, I guess that just speaks to the power of like the, just the content that actors are given. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean they have sex on a poker table, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's um, maybe two minutes long. It's really weirdly extended. Yeah, um, it's another one of those they, double exposures, like in and out, triple exposures. They love that shit yeah. in this movie. They 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 say it for the 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 violence and the sex. One, oh. one might almost say there's a, there's a connection between violence and sex in some primal way. <laughs> Um, she, that's that's what that's what this movie taught me. Yeah, she she kind of has like um, uh, Mila Jovovich from Fifth Element hair. Yes, yeah. yes, it was very yeah. very contemporary hair. Like yeah. you would see hipster girls wearing that hair today. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, obviously um, the bob cut was in fashion, but like that specific bob and it being orange, like I, and that shitty weird off pink color, yeah, <laughs> so strange. Yeah. yeah. Her death was crazy. I didn't see that coming. It was the only time I was kind of surprised in this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming... Is Maram... God, we're going to just fucking... Li- we're going fi- like to fucking live research this whole episode. <laughs> um, so Maram Motes... Real? Uh, Fake. I think Fake or real, folks? She was apparently created for this movie. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. This is good. I'm on the Mafia wiki right now. Amazing. Um synopsis i'll read it it's like it's a quick paragraph this highly dramatized film focuses primarily on luciano and Lanx and Lanxi. they start as young men victimized by the current mafia they rise from petty criminals and bootleggers to push aside the old guard of the mafia and eventually establish the commission which set up the new york mafia into five separate families bugsy siegel and frank costello control the physical elements of the operation while lucky luciano and mayor lansky bring up the business end um okay so Mara Motes was based on Luciano's love love interest, Gay Orlova, is her name. Oh, okay. Whatever that is. Uh, when I when I Google Gay Orlova, the first <laughs> the first headline that comes up: ten beautiful broads connected to the mob. <laughs> 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 okay, yeah. So I, I I could totally like I imagine like seventy five percent of the characters that appear in this movie. There, she's probably a composite of several historical people, or just created whole cloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's pretty common with these movies, honestly. Yeah, like an, another example of this kind of like early '90s like historical fiction, um, highly dramatized piece. I, I, I was thinking of like Tombstone throughout this movie. Just right. Tombstones. Mm-hmm. Tombstones is another like kind of pulpy 
historical historical fiction thing, but it, it's just better than this. Yeah. Tombstone is better um, than this, and White Earp is better than Tombstone, folks. Hot take. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we're, we're at White Earp. We're going to do that. That's an episode yeah. for the show, one, right? One day. Yeah. yeah. When we have yeah. three hours to watch that movie. Um, I mean, I'm interested. I, I would I would like to see that. Yeah. I haven't uh, seen it in a long time. Um, but yeah, a lot of like the Earp brothers in both those movies are more or less composites. Like they never, n- neither of them have like the exact Earp brothers and like what they right. did or how they died. Like every time it's like some different composite. Of, of just for 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 plot's sake and, th- and that's that's not an uncommon thing in historical fiction oh, yeah. i'm not opposed to it mm-hmm. um just if you do it it has to be done tastefully and you can't be full of anti-semitic stereotypes like right. <laughs> yeah and for 1991 come on guys like yeah uh, yeah um, not to say the 90s were you know a woke or progressive decade but like come on this well the 90 the 90s also gave us um also gave us a posse yeah yeah, which is the the better version of this movie. It really um, is. Yeah, yeah. Right, like these these somewhat established, somewhat up and coming young actors, cartoon characters. Yeah, like they're, cartoon, they're cartoons right. in, in oh, Posse yeah, too, but for they're, sure they're better. Yeah, they are. Um, it's yeah, that's a better movie altogether because it's an actual director, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Van Peebles is he's like good. <laughs> Yeah, he's good. I don't know who this guy um, is. So he he clearly cared about the source material, and and I guess mob movies and um, westerns, they're like classics of of movies in general. They've been around as long as cinema has existed, um, and they're they're two they're two genres that like uh, some people just get very invested in these traditions. Um, but I think westerns are. I don't want to say that it's easier to make a good, a good western, but I think there are more better westerns than there are mob movies that i think is accurate you know and it's also just like a saturation thing as well right i think more westerns were made to begin with yeah oh for sure like like there's that kind of there's that thing that's that comparison that's kind of old hat at this point but people say like oh why are you pissed off at the glut of of superhero movies because like back in the day there was a glut of of western movies like apparently the the market for western movies became so oversaturated back i don't know in like the 40s and 50s that like westerns just kind of completely dropped out of favor for a few decades yeah somewhere in like the 70s is when they really started to decline maybe even the 60s they really started to decline and you know you get the spaghetti westerns of course but those become more popular like in retrospect as well i mean they were they Mm. were popular you know don't get me wrong but like they're more popular i think now than they were then basically um but yeah i mean we definitely had a period in american filmmaking when the gangster film was popular like exactly when gangsters these gangsters existed like that's when we had these films you have films like little caesar the original scarface um there's a really great film called underworld which is actually basically exactly like the movie scarface um i believe it has the same screenwriter even um but it's before it's before scarface um yeah worth checking out um, Joseph von Sternberg, I believe, uh, uh, one of the heavies of the uh, silent era. Oh yeah, we're talking about this film though. I know I, I, <laughs> we're talking about Bob's. Uh, I mean, I guess like that. That just to get kind of meta on this episode, like that. That's one of the points of doing this. That's one of the the in, the intentions we had with doing this podcast, like to see what good conversation we could derive from from shit yeah movies. that's right good conversation we don't have to say good things about it that's right yeah 
good conversation. I mean, we're reevaluating what this podcast is about. <laughs> this is a hard one, folks. Just, it hasn't been this hard for me personally since the fucking, I don't know. Uh, what was that? God, uh, the, the Orlando Bloom Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Oh, Elizabeth Town. Elizabeth Town, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was hard. That was, yeah. that was dog shit. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Anthony Quinn then. She's the only thing we should talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he plays stereotype of a mob boss called um, Domissaria, and um, half his dialogue is about how much he loves to eat and how much he loves pussy and yep. how much he loves to make people suffer. Yep, like verbatim. Yeah, that's really like all he ever talks about. Like he he sells the line, "I like to make people suffer," and it's not completely laugh out loud ridiculous yeah no i so mean props to him he's great in yeah. literally every scene i just i don't know how he keeps it up like and he has nothing to work with right like every actor he is yep. he's acting with is trash yep. in every yep. scene uh it's robert zadar he he's an interesting figure he he's um he's in a lot of low budget movies um like like he has a, he has a very long entry on IMDb and he like I was saying he has um, cherubism, cherubism yeah and that gives him a very distinctive uh, aspect and and countenance in general he has, he has a giant chin, um he I think he was a good physical actor like he yeah. he didn't I don't think he even had like a lot like he maybe said like he two did or three when lines. he was torturing Christian Slater he said something like oh you're right. a big boy or something like that yeah, yeah he he has generic tough guy mm-hmm. lines yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that that's an aspect of acting um, that is extras and like secondary characters have to do a lot, um, just like physical presence and having having a bearing that isn't uh, that isn't overdone, but is still noticeable and is still um, adds to the scene. And I, I think he did a good job doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think him. I think um, uh, Nicholas Sadler, who plays Mad Dog Call, um, yep. I think he's great. Yep. Just th- his energy. Yeah, he, <laughs> I love. It. He was his his last normal scene that isn't like a fight scene. Um, he's screaming on the phone oh, yeah. to a bellhop <laughs> to get him his fucking coffee right now yeah. and give me the name of your manager because I'm gonna I'm gonna shit I'm gonna shit talk you to your manager. Yeah, yeah. He says I want to I want to talk to your manager. <laughs> it's great. He, he's that 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 proves that he has big boomer energy. Um, to tap into the contemporary meme that's going on right now. Okay, okay boomer. boomer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. His his death scene and Farazano's because they're yes. within two seconds of each other. They were really interesting. They they had like big yeah. RoboCop energy. Yeah, uh, Christian Slater in in probably his best moment of the movie. He he was channeling ED two hundred nine. He was just yeah. like emptying a clip into <laughs> into this guy in the ground. <laughs> just I mean, props for using squibs. I mean, I, I guess that would make sense given the time period. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it looked it looked cool and bloody. Yeah, it's one of the better instances of the the practical squib effects. Um, hey, we haven't guess done we, this we haven't, in a while. Done, <laughs> oh well, my I god, guess we are, we, done, are we saying this together? <laughs> okay, so so my my brain husband Lewis and I were about to say the exact same thing apparently because I we we were both yeah. going to say. I guess we haven't introduced a we new film term in an episode in a, <laughs> in a while. It's so. been like a fucking month or more, honestly. Yeah, um, so, so squibs. Squibs. Um, that can be this, this episode. Yes. The concept. Um, so squibs have been used for a very long time. Um, 
Or I should say, not like forever, honestly, because not every movie has been allowed to be bloody and violent because of stuff right. like the Hayes, Hayes Code. Code stuff. Yeah. Um, but more so, like I would say, in the late 50s through the 60s through now. I mean, although now everything's CGI, but um, especially this time period, you'll see a lot of this um, where practical effects for blood splatter um what they do is they'll fill like a balloon or even sometimes just a condom full of fake blood um and then they attach that to like basically a a small uh, explosive device size of a firecracker more or less um with with which has remote detonators um and then you know as they're filming and you know they point their fake guns with blanks at the the character um they just mm-hmm. you know explode these squibs yeah i'm not sure and what the result they, they, that, but. the result is the 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 clothing and in the it, it looks like someone's shot because like a big blood splat comes yeah. out and yeah um and, leaves a big messy hole in the clothes and like we said uh, for the most part they're they're terrible in this movie uh honestly like yeah the, the chris penn death scene i i I really think a part of the squib like flew out and hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Like it was just they were so like, oh, it looks, it looks like it's a skull. That's pretty cool. No, I, I think that's honestly, they're that's just like, fuck it. Like we don't have enough money to do this again. I mean, on a 20 yep. million budget, like there's no way you have enough 23 million. Sorry. Uh, yep. There's no way they had enough time to do, like money to do this again and again and again. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a rough one. I guess another decent death was when, I forget who it was. Someone shot someone else with a shotgun, like in the middle of the movie. Uh, uh, Costello shoots some random dude, right? He in an alleyway. Who they pay to, uh, like fake a hit on Mazaria. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't remember like who that character was that they then betray. Um, Just some. Just some hitman. Who knows? It's. Yeah, God, this this movie is rough. <laughs> this movie is okay, so, rough. so I would say also the the Don Mazaria death scene is one of my favorites in in this movie. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. With with squibs. Yeah, with too. squibs. Um, yeah. So uh, Anthony Quinn and Christian Slater are sitting down. They're just eating food, and uh, that's when um, Christian Slater asks uh, Mazaria, like, "What do you What do you like? What do you like in in life? What do you love in life?" And he's like. Why are you asking me this? He's like, oh, just conversation. Uh, and then he tells him, like, yeah, I love, like uh, Nick said, uh, making people suffer. I like food. I like pussy. Um, and then so uh, it's so great, but it's so yeah. Bad. And Slater mentions something like in the beginning of the movie, we see one of their friends get killed in front of uh, Mazaria, and Mazaria is actually right. related to this kid, and he doesn't like. It's, care. it's his nephew. Yes, his nephew who we put a hit out on or something for like no reason. Some really contrived yeah. bullshit reason. And he even says like when he asks when Luciano asks him, he's like, "Why did you do that to Joey?" He was like, oh, "I don't know, a family thing." Uh, um, but then. Uh, Slater goes into the restroom and uh, out comes uh, Frank Costello and Bugsy Siegel with shotguns and they and they blast Miseria to death um, and he he dies face down in a tray of ziti which is definitely my favorite image of this whole movie every Italian's uh, fantasy <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest yeah it's true I mean you know um, but you know and he he's he's facing the door too you know you 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 want to be facing the door because you want to see who's coming yep. but. You want to Sometimes, so, what can so you do when you're wall. Anthony Quinn and uh, you're just chowing down in your ZD and uh, 
he was he was thinking about his his food and his his fucking and his his making people suffer. <laughs> um, oh, but another great um, scene between Slater and Anthony Quinn is when they're at uh, Meyer Lansky's wedding, um, and there's like traditional Jewish right. food out. And like, oh my god, yes, I thought of you when I thought yeah, of you. It's so good. Slater, like, Mazzari's just like, what's this? I don't understand this food. And then Slater's Slater. like, just comparing, like, a blintz that's like menagot. And it's, this is like this. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, matzah, it's just basically bread and yeah, a big meatball yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and Anthony Quizzo, it looks like brains. <laughs> oh my, yeah, it was, that, that part was, had some accuracy to real life, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, so if my family was at like a Jewish wedding, that's what it would yep. be like. They'd be like, "What is mm-hmm. this? I don't understand this food." Although my my grandfather loved matzah ball soup, I don't know why. There you go. And, um, it's good. He 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 was probably in the mob because the mob is fifty percent Jewish people and fifty percent Italian yeah, people, as, all from all from New York. As we as we see here, the hundred uh, percent uh, accurate historical uh, drama here, of course. I guess <laughs> it bears mentioning, like the the. The, the rags to riches plot such as it is is um lucky luciano he 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 has that grudge against anthony quinn and um and he tries to pit him and michael gambin together and and after he works directly under michael gambin after anthony quinn is um is is iced um he he has this relationship with the lara flynn boyle character uh mara Motes. and um i i guess the climax such as it is in this yeah. movie um it involves mad dog mad dog cole um he 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 whacks lara flynn boyle thinking that it's lucky right um yeah. on the orders of of michael gambit mm-hmm. yeah she's in bed um they had just woken up from sex or something uh <laughs> from sex or something. slater goes into the kitchen to get some coffee she's in bed oh he uses his mocha pot i have one of those oh That's yeah the- yeah um, and he 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 um he just takes forever. Um, it's a labor of love for him making his coffee in the well, morning. Well, he, he's he's lucky. He's supposedly he's lucky because he was out of the room when the hit when the hit went down. Right. Yeah. So he's out of the room when the hit goes down. Um, she has the covers over her head, so Mad Dog Call doesn't think anything of it. He does the whole uh, put a pillow in front of your gun as a silencer. Um, and one of the better images actually is when uh, Lucky Luciano finds her dead and uh there's like all the feathers yes like just flowing because um mad dog cole had held up had, had held a pillow in front of his gun to be a silencer mm-hmm. the thing i just said mm-hmm. yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> listen we got we got to pad out the runtime right? <laughs> um but yeah and then that ex- that leads into that kind of a extended chase scene through some buildings and shit and through the streets and um this is when the the they try to whack mad dog cole um in that little fight scene in the in his car which is one of the better parts of the movie goes down and then Um, the the funniest fucking shootout is when slater tries to kill mad dog call in the hotel after the concierge scene when he's yelling at the concierge uh, Christian yes. Slater actually comes up with the concierge. He has his gun, his gun to his head. And then he he yes. goes in the room first before the concierge or the bellhop, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And Mad Dog calls still on the phone, and he shoots the phone. And he's like, "Oh, I, I wanted to get your undivided attention," and then yes. like he misses every other shot. Yep, they they both miss each other's shots because he lets Mad Dog shoot back. Right. And um, they're they're standing like ten ten feet away yeah. from each other, and they just 
and then, and then he goes down the fire escape and they're like trying to shoot each other between the fire escapes and then there's like yes. there's some sparks flying from where the bullets are hitting the 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 metal and the fire escape i thought that was like a nice little detail um but yeah it's just i don't they they speaking of padding out i mean they just had to pad out the film like honestly there's no oh, yeah. reason for yeah, a scene yeah. like that i mean no unless you just you we, need you know you need to throw something in because up, up until this point all of the all the shootouts have been pretty brief and like very terse even yeah. um when mad dog first tries to, to whack them back at the beginning of the movie yeah he mm. he just like it, it takes all of what 30 seconds for that scene to go down there's no like extended chase and no. um Luciano probably didn't happen in real life like, the leg i think right or the arm or something and he gets away yeah and there was also um there was another interesting bit to this to the sequence because then we we jumped to the other three who are going to whack um michael gambin's michael gambin um in the way they get through security they they have um like a porter or like a some kind of like office worker help them like help help them trick the bodyguards before they whack the bodyguards right because they, um, they and, pretend and, to be the irs right right and and the the office clerk that they use to help them he's a he's a black guy um and i think that was an attempt by the film to show them as like the good gangsters because they don't discriminate because they say they say something like good like good job or whatever yeah, like good, good good job cliff yeah they like yeah, know him yeah i i think that was an attempt to to moralize them a little more because like lucky lucky himself and all like his whole his faction are presented as like unambiguously the good guys right. in this movie right yeah yeah they are the uh, ethnically diverse uh, coalition exactly of, which which is which which is a 90s trend yeah. definitely mm, the the woke gangsters for sure yep <laughs> It's Which true. They never say yeah. any like, you know, derogatory things towards anybody. Miseria says the N word at one point, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the rest of them, um, like every other character besides the the four, say every like Jewish like you know we won't work with Jews because they they don't believe in sin. Yeah. They killed Jesus. All yeah. Shit. Oh yeah. No, and, I, um, that was crazy. When uh, yeah. uh, Gambin says that, right? Like he says something about like he says that to Lucky when he's trying to strong arm lucky to be to work for him um and 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 that's that's interesting too because because this red is very 90s to me because like this all this all is ostensibly somewhat historical and like and and lucky luciano did work with jewish mobsters um but it was probably out of convenience and probably out of like more of a business opportunity than the fact that he was a a a woke gangster in the the 30s like i I can't imagine I think it's just like, you know, in the tenements and the slums of, you know, the New York boroughs, everybody of right. every race and religion more or less kind of lived pretty, you know, packed together. So, um, you know, he made those friendships. But no, it's it's definitely not like because, yeah, at some point in the beginning in that in that prologue scene, like they even talk about like. I think Frank Costello like goes out of his way to like uh, fight on Meyer Lansky's behalf, and like yep. the guy, the guy's like, "Oh, you're helping this Jew." He's like, "Yeah, I will. I will. He's my best friend." Well, I'm I'm looking here on Wikipedia. Apparently, um, Lansky was also close friends with um, Lucky Luciano. The two met as teenagers when Luciano attempted to extort Lansky for protection money on his walk home from school. <laughs> Luciano respected the younger boy's defiant responses to his threats, and the two formed a lasting partnership thereafter. So apparently, they were really 
they were legitimately friends. Right. Yeah. Um, which you barely get in this film. Uh, yeah, we we're, we're told yeah. that um, them more than the other ones. Like, I mean, Frank Costello honestly does nothing throughout this whole movie besides shoot people with a shotgun. Um, maybe has two yeah. lines, and then Bugsy Siegel. I mean, Richard Greco is the least charismatic person in the world, and like, yep. you know, Bugsy was supposed to be the more like Don Juan Casanova of them all. I guess they we get literally one non non like dialogue example of that because like he all the guys are sitting like with with their dames and he he has two dames right and, and one of the other ones says oh he has two girlfriends yeah like yeah that's it but it wasn't believable he didn't sell it no. like, god no christ no his eyebrows are weird uh, his eyebrows are weird <laughs> <laughs> and also so they call him bugsy a thousand times he hated being called bugsy uh Really? Yeah, Benny okay. Siegel hated being called Bugsy. And, like, that's one of the first scenes in the film Bugsy. Like, someone calls Warren Beatty Bugsy, and he, like, beats the shit out of him. Like, uh, he does it a few times throughout okay. the movie. Um, so, yeah, they did absolutely no research for this movie. Damn. They did as much research as we do for an average Pocon <laughs> episode. Fair. Touche. Uh, and in, in the way the movie wraps up, like, after after Michael Gambon and um, Robert Zadar and Mad Dog are all knocked off. Um, of course, Lucky, he, he consolidates his, his his grip over New York City crime. And then he, this is when Al Capone scene comes in. Like there, there's kind of like a wrap up scene, literally. It's it's like, it's almost like an, um, like a denouement to everything. Cause they, um, it, it, it depicts the beginning of the, um, C- the commission. The, yeah, the commission, like, organization way of way of splitting up um into the five families yeah yeah um and and i think we said it earlier like i think lansky says it or maybe slater does he says something like um no one of the older guys i think maybe the older gangsters joe profaci he's like what are we gonna do just vote and and i think slater says something like well yeah just like corporations have a a board of directors slater's like yeah like we'll be democratic and then langsy's like yeah like like businesses do it like they have a ceo and a board of directors and everything ridiculous ridiculous but i mean that that does give us the most overtly um political read of a scene yeah um from our from our perspective anyway because like that to the best of my knowledge anyway that is how organized crime persisted for so long um it it operate it it is it is a business it is like it it is capitalism made manifest just with the the threat of violence Mm -hmm. somewhat somewhat more more front and center yeah it's um than in legal society yeah it's the thing that they're like not as transparent with i think you know like gangsters even just like amongst themselves you know not that i know any gangsters but um i think because you know they they like the whole like machismo of being like an army right like you know they have the capo they have the consigliere they have the soldiers you know they have that hierarchy and they talk about that all the time in the sopranos um, but like, on a, yeah, right. it is closer just to like a CEO and board of supervisors or board of directors mm-hmm. and, and just like, you know, fucking pencil pushers and stuff like that. Right. And, and also wasn't, um, wasn't Luciano, didn't he protect like the, the docks in New, in New York city during world war two? I'm not sure if it's Luciano, but like the, the mob did. Yes. They did protect, um, the, the specifically they, they kept an eye out for like attempts at sabotage yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, and 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 that's actually another Sopranos tie-in because um, much much is made, especially characters like Christopher. They they always like idealize like 
Yeah, like we we bend some rules, but like we're fucking Americans, and like we the 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 dirty foreigners because Sopranos was contemporaneous with the the war on the war on terror. Yeah, I mean, um, they they a, lo- a lot of their um, prejudices came out, and they otherized um, like oh those criminals they're they're bad because they're not even American. Yeah, well there was the there's a few scenes. There's those two characters who like you see them a lot in um, Christopher's Club, and they're Middle Eastern. There's two, yeah. There's two. Um, like the, I think the FBI agent two, later, he like he tells Tony, he gives him a phone. Even yes. he's like, "Hey, keep an eye on those two. We think they're terrorists." And that's actually a very important plot point for the for the finale of the whole show. Yeah, because um, that's how Tony gets. I mean, I don't want to completely spoil Sopranos for listeners who have, whoever hasn't watched it, but like that's how Tony gets vital information from the from the FBI. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, I mean, it's I think the the history of the mafia in in america and and not just america but also in italy and and globally is just the story the story of like you said hyper hyperized capitalism um and Mm. and upholding the status quo i mean they're 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 generally more conservative um people i mean oh you know i mean definitely definitely i would say (laughs) yeah um but yeah i mean that that's to just while while we're on the Sopranos, that that's one of the strengths of the Sopranos. It's that there's a very clear parallel between um, the the development of the mob and, and the state of the American economy at the time. Um, that that's one of the more prominent themes of the show, and like the the in, the way that those kind of interplay and relate. Um, whereas in in this movie, I, I guess you can say it's there in that last scene, um, but it, it's done with like no depth, and it's it's just all it's it's all text there's no like subtext to it whatsoever right yeah no they really don't go into a lot of the more interesting aspects of of these these characters you know stuff when they're adults like the founding of las vegas that's way more interesting than the majority of this shit exactly and they also touch upon this um it's in the first act of the movie at some point they're, they're in a bar and they're just hanging out and talking and like we get they do this a lot they we get snatches of conversation of different characters they're having oh um, that was but awful. we don't we don't actually follow any one conversation yeah. we literally pan to all four talking about the same subject mm-hmm. but like it's they're having different conversations with, with different other random characters um so the effect is like they'll just say like oh prohibition prohibition bootlegging bootlegging yep. like bottles of alcohol we'll just catch literal words we won't follow like dialogue no. and mm. It's 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 like it's like characterization exposition exposition for like a fucking infant. Yeah, someone but, um, thought that was really clever though. Whoever did that, someone thought that was they do it at least three cool. times in the movie. Yeah, they do. But the time that I'm thinking of specifically is when um, they talk about how I, I think um, Langsy says like um, prohibition is obviously going to end soon, so we have to get into something else, and it's going to be unions. Right. Yeah. But they barely in, go into in, that. They don't. They don't examine exactly. that at all. Exactly. Like we never see a labor organizer, we never see a union member. Like nothing. No. They have no, no interest I mean, that, in that. that. <laughs> and that would have been interesting. Literally, all we get is one of the the mobster patented uh, dialogue dumps of just like buzzwords. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's all we get. Even the numbers game. Like they don't even talk about the numbers game, which is one of the more interesting uh, aspects right. of like you know uh, New York, uh, you know, g- gangster um, uh, revenue cycles. Like it just it's it's basically just like a lottery you know like you just you have people who give you money and say put this money on this random fucking number like just any number not a string of numbers this is a a real thing in real life this is it was was. like this is all that they would do like this is one of their rackets it's like okay my number is four two three 
here's some money put it on that and then they would just like draw a random number <laughs> just like so it's just like community kino or something basically yeah it's just a community Jeez. lottery more or less Weird. and that's how they would make a significant amount of money and they barely go into that at all in this movie they mentioned it once was, once i was i did not pick up that pick that up at all so mm-hmm. that goes to show you yeah no they, they have no interest in any of Jeez. this shit they do mention uh jfk and rfk's dad Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Kennedy, who, yep. um, so apparently Frank Costello said later in life that, uh, uh Joe Kennedy senior was a bootlegger, but a lot of right, historians right, right. have disputed that fact. Sure. I mean, I believe it. Fuck the I Kennedys, believe it. But... Fuck the Kennedys as well. Um, yeah. In um, in the book, uh, I, I heard your pain houses. They, they talk about that a little bit. That's why, um, they say that RFK, was so hard on organized crime. I mean, he was one of the first people to go after organized crime in America um, when sure. he was a prosecutor because he he just, yeah, he didn't like his dad or something. Damn, Daddy I've issues. seen Brain yeah. come, in, come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, JFK himself, he, he was close with like Sinatra and Sinatra. There were always rumors about JFK, like his, his mob connections. Or, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, the mob killed JFK, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and... I guess I guess it was only a matter of time before before our our homemade media delved into a conspiracy theory. <laughs> but like, I, I will uh, conspiracy theories are a touchy subject. But I will say that the murder of JFK um, is one of those that's like as close to being it's fucking obvious that something other than the official account happened. Right. Yeah. Um. That that anyone can just like you you, you can even broach that in like polite conversation. Like you won't be thought as thought of as weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's the mob and, um, holdovers from the Dulles brothers CIA. Like it's huh. gotta be it. Okay. Cause yeah. Yeah. Dulles brothers hated oh, fun him. Fi- so yeah. Wanted to whack him. I mean the, the whole thing, I mean the very fact that Jack Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald, it, it, it's such a ridiculous, like right. we're, we're putting the shit in the open mm-hmm. right in front of your oh, face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, for sure. I honestly, I think the mob and the deep state that's it they work together to kill jfk well what's your what's what's your theory on like why why that happened um so in not to my only source of course is <laughs> i heard you paint houses um yeah but uh yeah they they hated rfk so much um mm-hmm. and then they saw jfk as like a mafia boss so they were right. like if we whack this motherfucker then rfk will ease up on us Hopefully, yeah, and that didn't that damn. didn't work, but <laughs> goddamn, yeah. And now we're stuck with the fail son, Joe Kennedy the third. Oh Jesus Christ, he's awful. He sucks the so worst. much. Um, yeah, so yeah, so focus movie. <laughs> I don't even remember how it ends. Um, oh, the, yeah, we already said the commission, and then some text that actually talks about the more interesting aspects of all of these guys' histories. Reading that text was more interesting and more engaging than like in, in more more educational yeah than like anything mm-hmm. else i had seen apparently anthony quinn actually knew frank costello um because frank mm-hmm. costello died of old age and he was allowed to retire from uh the mafia and right. uh, okay. yeah they, yeah they said that yeah anthony quinn just like knew him weird hmm it, which is then funny that it Frank Estelle has no characterization in this movie at all. <laughs> no, he's just doing what, doing what the fuck ever. 
workers of note uh, um yeah let's let's, so, let's let's yeah let's cap this yeah. thing let's put, let's put it on ice <laughs> um just gonna highlight some of the individuals in the in the casting department here um we have uh nancy naylor uh casting director bonnie timmerman uh, casting director jeff block casting associate debbie durango casting assistant uh felicia fazano casting assistant elaine fiona ferguson uh, casting assistant uncredited extra kudos to her um yep. now you know we we've kind of talked about how uh we like some of the actors in this film we some some of the others not so much um correct so uh really the only reason i i am I'm highlighting the uh the casting department is because like i th- just like the feats that they pulled off here in like hoodwinking good yep. actors into being in this movie yes. is just um you know it's it's worthy of our praise i think yeah yeah i mean i'm not sure how much sway actors have over like especially like up-and-coming actors like um like christian slater or like like working actors working bit character actors like zadar having like saying being able to turn scripts down but um i i do know the reason that casting um like like a casting department exists is to like convince them to join productions yeah and i mean they convince some heavy hitters here i mean yeah anthony yeah. quinn is amazing not only in this film but every film um michael gambon is good in other films uh not this one uh mm-hmm. chris penn is f. Murray great Abra- f murray abraham yes yeah. he, he was he was very um well known at the time yeah for sure um titus welliver for his two seconds um steals the show yep. as al capone i'm not even sure like mm-hmm. why they cast titus welliver like he i don't think he's all that famous at this point like i mean you know, Deadwood. It's a tiny. Where, it's a tiny part. Yeah, he gets more famous with Deadwood, though. Like, I'm not really sure why yeah, they know. cast him. Maybe because it's like, yeah, we'll just pay this guy because we can pay him less because he's not well known. I don't know, but whatever. Um, uh, so, uh, broke recommendation. What do you have um, besides no? One? <laughs> don't say no. One. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. We haven't just said no one in a while. Yeah, yeah. We, we've we've been good on that. Front. Um, so. If you are fans of uh, the the book Red Harvest by Dashiell Hammett, uh, the mm-hmm. film A Fistful of Dollars starring Clint Eastwood, um, mm-hmm. the film Yojimbo by Akira Kurosawa uh, starring Toshiro Mifune, uh, mm-hmm. or Miller's Crossing by the Coen brothers uh, starring Gabriel mm-hmm. Byrne, or uh, Last Man Standing by Walter Hill uh, uh, starring uh, Bruce Willis. Um, this might be the film for you because much like those uh, films which all have the same story more or less of uh, an individual trying to pit two gangs or you know um, groups against each other um, right you know we see that in here Um, this is just like the the dumb guy version of it of course Um, but I don't know if you're into that kind of thing like gangs being pitted against each other blah 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 I don't know for you yeah um i actually just read an issue of a manga called golden kamui which is really good it's also historical fiction um set in set in the period immediately following the uh, russo-japanese war um in japan um in in one specific chapter it has a bunch of like old samurai doing that plot it's that that kind of stock plot of pitting rival crime games crime gangs against each other and it's well done there too so uh, any any weeaboos <laughs> in the audience? Um, read or watch Golden Ca- Golden Camoy. Um, woke recommendation. Um, 
basically <laughs> if, if you're a really hardcore sopranos fan and like you're jonesing for something if like you've really scraped the bottom of the barrel watching all extended features and everything um and chances are if you're on on lefty film twitter and you're listening to this then chances are pretty high for that um you can watch this and you can just pretend it's like christopher's dream script that he he imagines and fantasizes about whenever he gets bored with the history channel because tony had him over to watch tv but like he, he can't he can't keep up with like world war ii documentaries <laughs> or something um that's my that's my fan fiction for this this is this is it's edited like a dumb guy's fantasy sequence like a fa- like a fantasy dream script yeah too like like the way the movie the movie could easily be read as that mm-hmm. yeah for sure um especially yeah no scene like lasts more than like a minute if that in this movie like the majority of scenes are just quick you know and that's something we see more in the 80s 90s anyway so it's not just this movie but um it's pretty stark in this movie honestly and it's really it's really stark too because interspersed throughout like what we'll get like a like a handful of quick scenes like that right and then we'll get these those weird montages that we were talking about uh, and then we'll jump into another handful of quick scenes. It it, it just really makes it stand out all the more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only good montage is the first montage when it's black and white in the prologue, like where it's kind yep. of establishing yep. the, the tenements, the slums, um, like the horse that like bucks that guy off and he falls into the cantaloupes right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was shot much differently than the rest of this movie. Yeah. I almost wonder if it was like, if, if, if it was like footage from something else <laughs> or uh, maybe it's just a different director like a second unit director like who actually is talented <laughs> could, very, could very well be I, I would not be surprised um so finally folks our bespoke recommendation um so uh if this is the shot the uh chaser for y'all who might want to do a double feature here uh would be the 1997 film hoodlum um by uh director bill duke um, mm-hmm. It's another historical drama. Um, it takes place a little later than this because um, it's after the commission is already set up. Um, Lucky Luciano is in the film. Uh, Andy Garcia plays him, actually. He's, okay. He does a great job. Um, okay. And uh, Tim Roth actually plays um, a character who we don't see in, in Mobsters, but... Um, who was another uh, contemporaneous mobster figure called Dutch Schultz. Um, he ran a numbers game um, okay. in, uh, in Harlem, actually. Um, so uh, this film is about the real-life gangster Bumpy Johnson. Here he's played by Lawrence Fishburne, um, who also ran a numbers game. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like there's a gang war uh, in this film as well. But it's just, it's it's well edited. It's well shot. Um great characters um tim roth's death scene is like one of the coolest death scenes in any movie oh yeah um always love a good death scene there's a lot of good death scenes actually in in hoodlum um and yeah bill duke is a talented filmmaker um he started with uh tv films uh and then uh he he made a few features um and uh yeah um and he's an actor uh he was uh he's in predator actually bill duke mm-hmm. yeah i think he's um, the guy who gets his arm cut off no no that's no, no. Uh, that's keep david yeah 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 he's he's in the movie i think he's i think he's like the the not gay homoerotic guy that that's like really close with 
the chain gun guy played by J- Jesse Ventura. Possibly. Yeah, Matt. He he plays. No, he plays Mac. Yes, he plays Mac. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he he's he's Jesse Ventura's like homoerotic best friend. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he went on to make movies. And it's Carl Weathers. It's not Keith David. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Right, right, right. He yeah, he gets his arm cut off because they have the the handshake moment, and then oh, you yes. lose your hand. Oh. Yeah, hey, that's, that's right. Yeah, um, but yeah, Hoodlum, check it out. Um, it's a way better uh, historical gangster film. Um, Predator, check it out. It's a way better historical <laughs> gangster film. <laughs> Predator Two takes place in New York, Predator or Two, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. No, we're not we're researching not it. I know it's Los Angeles because, like, there's like Latino gangs and stuff in it. It's Los Angeles. Isn't there like a like a like a Rasta gang too? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, it takes place in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Danny Glover. Um, right. Damn. Yeah, it's better than the first one. Hot take. It's better than this. Better than mobsters. Well, everything's better than mobsters. Uh, <laughs> I think we could do. I think we could do Predator Two eventually because I've always wanted to see it. And um, yeah, it's it's a maligned one it, too. People don't like it. It's received yeah negative reviews. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Yeah, let's do let's do Predator Two. Sometime. Yeah, we should. I know. I mean, all the rest of every single like Alien and Predator, you know, like franchise, like every one that's not the first one most people hate except alien Two. other than that like everybody hates every other one right um yeah that's true like even at best they're really like divisive and controversial like prometheus or whatever like some people inexplicably love that movie some mobsters (laughs) yeah uh don't watch it um watch it if you want to do my weirdo sopranos dream sequence or i guess but um yeah it, it definitely one of the worst five movies we've seen for the mm-hmm. show. Yeah, definitely uh, one of the worst uh, mob films I've seen. And I was on a mob film kick a few months ago. Um, mm-hmm. This this was a rather unfortunate one. Honoring your heritage. <laughs> um, and I guess the last thing I have to say before we sign off, um, if because we touched on it, uh, if you li- if you happen to live in Massachusetts, uh, vote for Ed Markey and not fucking Joe Kennedy. Yes. Yep. That's uh, that's true. Upcoming Senate, upcoming Senate race. Yes. Um, Ed Markey is one of the better senators in the nation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a weirdo gelatin mayonnaise man. Yeah, and um, you know all of you out there um, who uh, are into electoral politics, uh, there's this guy you should check out. His name is Bernie Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. By the way, in case you haven't heard. <laughs> um, yeah, he had a he had a number of um of great endorsements, recent number of good rallies too recently. Um, one where Ilhan Omar just spoke, yep. and it was very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Bernie twenty twenty. Uh, the mobsters say Bernie twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Slater is a Bernie fan. No, I just made that up. I have no idea. <laughs> you're thinking of um, you're thinking of uh, Cusack. Yeah. Well, that's obvious. All right. Anyway, yeah, mobsters. Bye. Bye, folks. <laughs> Mambo Italiano, hey, hey, Mambo, Mambo Italiano, go, go, go. You mixed up a Sisliana, all you calabrese do the mambo like a crazy with it. Hey, Mambo, don't want a tarantala, hey, hey, Mambo, no more a mozzarella, hey, Mambo, Mambo Italiano, try an angelada with the fish of bacalan, then hey, Goomba, my lover, how you dance to Roomba.